Okay, here we go. Well, today is Baptism Sunday, and, uh, and what we've done, yeah, we've got one, woo, all right, um, Baptism Sunday. So here's what we're doing. Every month that has five Sundays in it, we are making that fifth Sunday Baptism Sunday. And our desire here is that we would see, of course, people getting baptized, but we want the reason for that baptism to be that people are hearing the gospel of the kingdom and being born again and being baptized in obedience to Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and being engaged in this kingdom work. Amen? And so, so what I want to do is I'm going to pray and I want you guys to pray with me. And uh, we're going to pray that, that every month, every month, every five, <laughs> could someone interpret? Because that was tongues. <laughs> All right. I'm going to interpret myself then. Um, <laughs> we're going to pray that on those months where we have Baptism Sunday, that we'll see scores of people coming into the kingdom because that is dad's desire. Um, and the way that that's going to happen is because each of us is carrying the gospel of the kingdom and we're getting to share that with others. And as we faithfully do that, he says that he will call people into his kingdom. All right, so here we go. Father, I want to ask in the name of Jesus, your beautiful son, our hero, our savior, our Lord, God, that you would cause us each to be bold in this life that we live, to live and serve and speak your way and your words and show your love. And Father, as we do this faithfully, Lord, I pray that we would bear fruit. I pray that those who have not met you would see the great light that is emanating from our lives, emanating from our words, emanating from our service, emanating from our smile. And as they ask for the reason, for the hope that we have, Lord, that they would be saved. And Lord, we pray that, that, that we would have a line of people coming into your kingdom for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. All right. So you've all been properly redeputized. So what I want to talk to you about today, and, and, I, and I want to give you a little, a little heads up here, because as I'm, as I'm preaching today, I know the Holy Spirit is going to work in each of us as he always does when we present the scriptures. But there may be some of you today that want to be baptized today. And um, the good news is we got extra towels. And <laughs> I'm avoiding a joke, but it was funny to me, and I'm not going to share it. Jason says I get no credit when I do it that way. But I'm giving myself credit for my joke that you don't know about. It's an inside joke. <laughs> okay. All right. So after the service, <laughs> if you want to be baptized today, then we want to make that opportunity for you. At the end of service, we're going to be taking communion together. And for those of you that may say, you know what? I want to be baptized. Today can be your day, all right? So uh, Jason will be in the back, and he it looks extra mwah, in his baptismal shorts. So uh, we, could, we all have that to look forward to. <laughs> Chapter 8 of Luke. And um, today, I'm changing it up on you, and I brought one of these. Yes, it's fantastic. It has one app. And um, so if you have one of these, you're going to need it. If not, you can pull out your, uh, your device, and we're going to go to cha uh, Luke chapter 8. And, um, and for those of you that do have one of these that has paper in it, you are spiritually superior. And I want you to enjoy that, that moment. Now, you can't let that pride go to your heart, but it's okay to kind of look over to the person left to you and just kind of go, 
So here we go. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Okay, here we go. As we're, as we're getting into Luke chapter 8, there are a couple, there are a couple things. Um, oh, you know what? Can you start the clock? I'm going to need that. Um, so I just did that. Whoa, that's a big step for me. I actually asked for the clock. You are welcome. You are welcome. Somebody clapped. That hurt a little bit. Okay. <laughs> and then it made more of you want to hurt me? Is that how this is going? All right, here we go. What I want to do is I want to talk to you about this and... And I want to give you a quick sort of prequel on where we are as the church right now. How many of you guys know that we are not the only church, right? We're not all by ourselves in this. We're not in the greatest moment of the church. The truth is that we're going from strength to strength and glory to glory. And we're a beautiful, glorious part of the church. But, but our kids are actually going to see even more than we saw. And their kids are going to see even more than they saw. And it's not that one is more valuable than the other, but that God's kingdom is always expanding. And there's more and more revelation. And there's more and more kingdom revealed on the earth. The Lord's prayer was what? Let your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth earth, right? And we know that the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. So what is that? That's an ever-expanding, greater continuance of the dominion of Christ Jesus as his kingdom expands. When Jesus came on the scene, he said, behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. He inaugurated a new kingdom. So when we get saved, we're getting saved from the kingdom of the world into the kingdom of heaven. And that kingdom of heaven is expanding. You guys with me? So 2,000 years ago when Jesus showed up and inaugurated the kingdom of heaven on earth and took the keys to sin and death and told the devil, <laughs> nice try. And then what happened? It's been expanding since then. How many of you guys know that there is one bride that he's coming for? And we're part of that bride. Now he's going to come for a bride that's without blemish, without wrinkle, without stain. What does that mean? It means that we started out with blemishes, wrinkles, and stains. Okay, and he's the one that's helping us. He's transforming us by the renewing of our mind. He's working to see us come into the fullness of the glory of God. It's beautiful, and we're a part of that. But we're not, this moment, right in time, is a really vital moment, but it's not the only moment. Now, that's really great news when we're having a really hard time because we can look and say, wow, I'm sure glad that this isn't all there is to the kingdom, right? Because there's gonna be more to come. And when we're going through hard times, we can look back and go, oh my goodness, look at where we came from. There's a momentum to this thing. Like, this is amazing. We're, we're part of a 2,000-year-old church. Isn't that beautiful? And all the righteous, of course, from Adam on that have been redeemed because Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom to everybody that was waiting in Hades, as you guys may or may not know. Um, and so now, here, here we are, I'm sorry, in Abraham's bosom and, in, and those that were in Hades. They had an opportunity to hear the gospel and respond. So all of history... We're part of it. Are you guys with me? Now, here, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because what I, what I want to uh, point at is kind of where our moment in history came from and, and, and so that we can help to move forward where we're going in the gospel of the kingdom, in the kingdom. It's advancing. And, and in recent years, there are a couple of events that have affected how we see the kingdom right now, and I want to speak to that. So that's why I'm trying to bring some context here, and then we're going to dive into Luke 8, and we're going to examine a parable here that Jesus is talking about. The moment that we're in is influenced by a couple of things. In, in, the, in the time of the church, 
um, where primarily we had essentially one Catholic church. And, and there, there were some really good things about that, but then there were some really bad things about that because at a certain point in history, there began to be a tremendous overemphasis on works. What had happened was the church, essentially the teachers of the, of the kingdom at that time, they were misapplying some things and what they did was they overemphasized works and it got so bad that people were, I mean, they, they, they got into all kinds of craziness that was happening. You were paying penance. You were punishing yourself. You were, you were uh, there was a lot of aestheticism that started getting in the mix and what was it? It, it was good old-fashioned legalism is what it was. It was that you got to earn it to keep it. That you gotta, you gotta work in order to essentially earn your way into the kingdom and, in, and you gotta earn your place to stay in the kingdom. Somebody say boo. boo. Yeah, it's a bad deal. And, and God in his goodness rejected the church completely and started over. No, he did not, of course not. What did he do? He actually sent someone with a, with, to, to redig that beautiful well of revival to redig that, that the beautiful words which are we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. And who was that man? That man was Martin Luther. And Martin Luther came and he began to champion that we are saved by grace through faith and not by works. And suddenly, now unfortunately, we know God's desire was actually that the teachers and the leaders of the, of the Catholic Church at that point, which by the way was the church at that point, that they would repent and go, oh my goodness, guys, we are seriously missing it here. We've picked up the same spirit of the Pharisees and we're essentially putting burdens on people that they can't bear. We need to repent, which means to, to change the way we think. Repent means I used to think this, now I think this. We need to stop thinking this and start thinking that. But unfortunately, that didn't happen, as you know. And what we ended up with was the Protestant movement. We ended up starting with Luther, and we still have the Lutheran church. Now, we praise God for, for Martin Luther. And, and I do want to say this, by the way. Um, Martin Luther was a lone voice for a while there. And he paid a great price to, to release back into the earth this beautiful message that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, and in, and in fact, it's so well established now that I would say most anyone who's, who, who considers themselves a Christian doesn't even really wonder like, oh, I wonder if I'm saved. Because we know that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. That's just well established. It's not like we have to wonder. And before Martin Luther came, people were wondering. They're like, am I saved? Am I not saved? I mean, I don't know. What, what more do I need to do? I, I just sinned. Am I forgiven? Is it, does that mean I'm a son of the devil now? I mean, where am I? And, you know, let me whip myself a little bit and do some extra things. And, and the priests are like, sounds good. In fact, money would be good too. Pay extra. And so there was some, there was, unfortunately, there was some wickedness in the mix, okay? Well, now that area of am I saved by works or am I saved by grace through faith is not an issue that we, that, we, that we grapple with in this day and age. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. What I love about uh, Martin Luther, by the way, too, if any of you have read much about him, he was a very flawed man. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know that. He, he, was a, he was a flawed man. He was not a happy camper, but he paid a great price to release that prophetic word that we stand on and don't even question. I praise God for Martin Luther. And I also praise God for the fact that God was willing to, to absolutely, honestly, transform society through a flawed man. Aren't you guys glad God's willing to do that?
somebody just, yeah, right? I'm like, thank you. It's really good news. So we went from this pendulum swing here of you got to earn it to keep it. You're not sure if you got it, so just keep working harder, legalism, Phariseeism. And then it swung this way. It swung this way. And what, what began as a tremendous and an incredible, and it is an ongoing and will continue, revelation of the goodness of God that we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, that none should boast, which is absolutely true. But then in our exuberance, somebody put a period right there. And, and we stopped exploring saved into what? So in recent years, the other thing that has played a major factor in the way that we understand the gospel is some eschatology that got invented after World War I. Yeah, can you believe that? Eschatology means study of the end times. And during this time, the Protestant church and many like it began to embrace a new belief about the end times. And it was, it was on the back of a massive, you know, we were shocked by what happened in World War I. It was just like, this, how did this happen? We thought the kingdom was advancing, but the whole world just went insane. And so what happened was people began to say, he's coming soon. He's got to be coming soon. He's got to be coming right away because look how horrible it is. And actually the Schofield Bible was a major, uh, was also another contributor. There was some beliefs that Schofield had and he put them into the footnotes of his Bible and it massively shaped the eschatology of the church and became a mainstream accepted eschatology that you know what, it's all going to burn and he's coming soon. My, uh, in fact, my grandpa only graduated from, uh, on, I'm, I'm sorry, my wife's grandpa, I call him my grandpa, he's with Jesus now, but he only went through eighth grade because Jesus was coming. There's no need to finish school, Jesus is coming. And this was not an unusual thing. So there was this willingness in light of current affairs that people were, were willing to engage in a new eschatology that de-emphasized becoming disciples of Christ and overemphasized a gospel of salvation unto going to heaven rather than the Lord's prayer, which is our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we began to pray, holy Lord God Almighty, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died and rose again. I pray that you would come into my heart and that when I die, which is a beautiful prayer. And unless we pray that prayer of salvation, the word says, unless you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will not be saved. So we must believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that we may be saved. But as Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you won't even see the kingdom of heaven. So we have to be saved to see the kingdom of heaven. But if we've stopped and we don't explore what we've been saved into, that creates some serious issues for us. And essentially what we end up with is a lifestyle that boils down the gospel to the level, the lowest level of criteria required to be saved. Are you saved? I believe I am. Okay, what does that mean? Are you gonna go to heaven when you die? This is kind of a trick question. <laughs> The answer is yes, and that's fine. Be at peace. But is that all there is? 
to being a follower of Christ? And the answer is no. You see, salvation is a gift that has been bought for us by Christ. And when we are saved, we are born again and suddenly we can see the kingdom of heaven. But when we are saved, it's not so that we can escape this planet. It's so that we can establish the kingdom of heaven on earth until Jesus comes to finish that task. And much of our time is not spent on that. Because many of us have, have embraced a partial telling of the gospel. Maybe I should say it like this. I don't like these words, but maybe this will be helpful. We've embraced a gospel of salvation and put a period there rather than remembering that Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. So with that as your lens, let's read what it is in this kingdom. What have we been saved into? And if we are saved, what are we supposed to be doing? Are we just killing time until Jesus comes? A resounding no. No. One more shot. Ready? No. Oh, that felt good. That was nice. That was nice. All right, so let's go to Luke chapter 8. Those of you that have paper Bibles, just hold them up a little bit so others can see them. (laughs) Now, (laughs) the Lord might rebuke me. He might be doing it now. I don't know. You know, I'll tell you one thing, though. There are no push notifications on this bad boy. And when they do show up, they're from Holy Spirit. That'll, that's good. That was good. Did you, did you guys? Okay. That felt good. All right. Here we go. Now, it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. That's gospel. Jesus was preaching about the gospel of the kingdom of God. Skip down to chapter 4. I mean chapter four, verse four. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it and some fell on a rock and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture and some fell among the thorns and the thorns sprang up and they choked it. But others fell on good ground, and it sprang up, and it yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? He said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may understand." Now, I want to make a quick note, that was Jesus speaking to the disciples in that time. So the context there was, I have to preach the gospel to Israel first. They're not going to receive it. Scripture will be refilled, refilled, will be fulfilled. But very quickly afterwards, Jesus tells the disciples, listen, the things I've told you in secret, shout them from the rooftops. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven are no longer mysteries. They're to be shared with everyone. So so I, I want to encourage you. With that, you get to share all of these. And these are not mysteries that are being kept from you, nor should they be kept from anyone else. Nor are there mysteries of the kingdom that are to remain mysteries. So if you have secret knowledge, rebuke that spirit. There's no secret knowledge. We're here to share the gospel of the kingdom and bring full light to those things. There's no special category There's no special area that you don't get to come into 
You are a son and a daughter. Every gift is needed and valued equally. And we don't keep secrets. Isn't that good? Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and he takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. So Jesus is sharing the words of God and he's saying this word, now we're sharing the words of God, this word, this is how the enemy works, this word is shared, the enemy comes immediately to see if he can snatch that gospel of the kingdom away from you before you should believe. How many in here, just to get an idea, how many of you here responded to the gospel of the kingdom the first time you heard it? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, a few of you. That's awesome. That's awesome. How many of you it took five or more times? Raise your hand. A few more of you. Okay. How many of you it took like 10 times? 20? All right. Come on. Yeah. And the rest of you didn't raise your hands. It was like 30 or more, right? Or you're not saved yet. Praise God, you're here. Good job. Okay. No, here's the point. Here's the point. Jesus is saying here. Now, these are, this, these are Jesus' words. Jesus, the master teacher, the revelation of the Father here on earth teaching us what it's like to be a son of God and what dad is like is teaching. These are his words to us. And he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. You've been saved into a kingdom. First, you just hear the word and the enemy comes to steal that word, to steal it away from you before you even have a chance to respond to it. And, and, and we've experienced that, haven't we? Several of you raised your hands. That was us before we responded. The enemy actually snatched it away and it didn't bear any fruit yet. And then someone else faithfully came and shared it again. On average, in this season where we live, in this time, in this area, America, it takes about 20 times of people being encountered by the gospel of the kingdom before they'll respond. Be encouraged by that because next time you're planting a seed and they're like, whatever, man, that's not for me, but that seed's in there. Yep. And you just like, just go. <laughs> right? How many of you just got encouraged right there? Yeah. All right, let's go to the next one. Jesus says, but the ones, on, this is verse 13. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in the time of temptation, they fall away. The, the, another translation of that word temptation, which it, it fits and I want to add it in, is in times of trial and testing. Temptation, trial, and testing. Think about it for a minute. You guys, when you, when you received the word of the gospel and you responded, and we've all, we've all actually experienced this, and maybe you're here and you just responded and like, hey, heads up, you're in the kingdom now. You used to not have a particular enemy because you were traveling the same way he was. His name is the devil. He hates God, and now he hates you. He already hated you, but he would give you a little sugar to keep things sweet enough for you to keep marching slowly away from God into darkness. But now you just saw a great light. You just made a powerful enemy. The good news is your daddy is way more powerful than your enemy. But you need to be aware that your enemy is crouching around trying to figure out ways to get you 
to drop that word. He doesn't want that word bearing fruit. He doesn't want you to extend the kingdom. He doesn't want you to do anything that Jesus is asking you to do. He doesn't want you to be salt and light and extend the kingdom of heaven. He wants you to be selfish, self-involved. He wants you to be, you know, a whole lot of you without him. So what does he do when you first get that, that seed planted in you, that word, and you spring up with joy, and you're like, this is amazing. I'll tell you probably one of the most common ones that I see, and, uh, and that is he sends along that guy or that girl. It is amazing to me. This is probably one of the most common ones. And, it's, and I'm not saying that that guy or that girl is inherently evil. That's not what I'm saying, because we're not inherently evil. But we're either serving Christ or we're serving the enemy. You see what I'm saying? There's the kingdom of Christ and there's the kingdom of the enemy. And he uses self-ishness, see what it did there? <laughs> to keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. And so what happens? That person shows up. They're so fun. They're so adventurous. They're so hilarious. They're so everything. And you're just like, and you just follow them away. And you're like, where did that person go? Oh, man. I have literally sat in the office and talked to people and said, listen, I just want to let you know, things are going awesome. In the next couple of days to couple of weeks, you're going to meet her. God didn't send her. You're going to meet him. He's not from the Lord. The Lord loves him, but he ain't the one for you. You guys with me? How many of you met that person? <laughs> How many of you married him? <laughs> A couple of you, and they're not here now. Yeah, it hurts, right? Everybody go, ouch! Like, if you've been through that, it's horrible. It's just horrible. And that's not the only temptation, but that is a temptation. That's one of them. There are others. There are others that come. It's, and, there, and there's that. The, the other part is that, is that they fall away once trials come up, once things get hard. Because suddenly, like for instance, if you are a friend of the Lord, you do stop being a friend of the world. Like you love the world because Jesus loves the world. But you're no longer a friend of the world. You don't fit in anymore. Because people will say things like, oh, it's all good, man. And you're like, I, I don't actually think it's all good. I, <laughs> like, I met the one who said that he is good, and this is nothing like him. It's not actually all good. And they're like, whoa, what's up, narrow-minded? And you're like, oh, shoot, am I not cool anymore? They're like, well, I mean, you're all right. Like, you try hard, but you're sort of ignorant and narrow-minded now and a bigot. And you're like, I didn't sign up to be all those things. They're like, well, too bad. <laughs> you are. And you're either going to repent of the kingdom of heaven and go back to be a friend of the world, or you're going to repent of being a friend of the world and continue to follow Jesus, even though sometimes that makes you a pariah. That's a fancy word for an outsider. All right, let's continue. Verse 14. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they've heard, they go out and they're choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. Now I want to point out that I think it's interesting that he didn't say that they got choked out by poverty and cares and pleasures of the world. How many of you guys know that 
God's kids are blessed. I'm just saying, wealth follows the righteous. But the minute that the righteous start following wealth, you get choked out and you stop bearing fruit. That's a Selah. Now, what are these cares and pleasures of life? <laughs> they're usually really good things that your father wants to give you anyway. But they're taken in such a way that they become things that choke you out. I will confess to you my sins <laughs> before the Lord and all of you. I think that my greatest um, maturity choker is Netflix. I am not joking. It's not that I'm watching naughty things on Netflix. It's that I'm binge watching Netflix. Like, are you hearing me? How many of you, I mean, I just, you can go right to the next episode. And then I'm like, where did eight hours go? And then when someone calls and they're like, hey man, you want to hang out? Then I'm like, yeah, not super a lot, no. <laughs> you know, and then you know how much of the kingdom gets extended that day? Like, nothing. I'm not saying Netflix is wrong, and I'm also, I, I, I actually have a great time watching Netflix with Jesus. I've just noticed he stops watching with me much sooner than I stop watching. <laughs> you guys are laughing at me, and I'm confessing my sins. The point is, it's not my life. You see, when Jesus told us to come into the kingdom, he said this to us. See, he's not about bait and switch. He says this, kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price and whoever would have it sells everything to get the pearl. He says, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you will lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. Unless you die and be born again. I want to say this. The thing about being born again is about being born again. Before you get to that, though, you have to die. Yep. <laughs> Baptism is death. It's death. You're, you're being crucified with Christ when you go into that water. Like, it's natural, it's water, but it's supernatural. Because he says you have to be born again by the water and the spirit. Because what's born of flesh is flesh, and what's born of spirit is spirit. And until you're born again, all you have is flesh. And some of us, some of us have not actually, like we got wet, and I'm not mocking, I, I'm, okay, I want to be really careful here because I hate that word, careful. I want to be really specific here. <laughs> no, everybody else likes, everybody's cool with the word careful? Okay, it's just me then. I want to be really specific here. I'm not in any way calling into question anyone's relationship with Christ, but I am bringing Christ's words to bear upon each of our lives to say, Lord, take this sword of the Spirit and search me and show me where am I? Where am I in light of your word? So, so some of us, as we're hearing about, like, wow, when I was saved... It's true, it's by grace, through faith, and not of works, lest I should boast. In fact, it says, even my faith was a gift from him. All of creation speaks of the glory of God. Unless they preach, no one will hear the word. Somebody preached it to me. 
Every part of it was a gift to me. Now that I've responded to it, now I'm in this parable. Where am I in this parable? Am I, have I actually moved, and let me go straight to 15, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Am I noble and good ground? Am I cultivating this heart? And the first question I have to ask about a heart that's being cultivated for the Lord is, is this his heart yet? Or is this still my heart? Like, wait a minute, let me work back here. Have I died yet? Did I, did I die or, or did I just think about it? <laughs> do, you, do you see what I'm saying? And, and you're here, so it's not too late. Like if you're realizing like, oh, I'm not sure I've surrendered. Like, I like the idea of eternal life. I like the idea of loving God and loving my neighbor. I like the idea of forgiveness of sins. And I'm super into self-help, so I like the idea of getting better and going from strength to strength, glory to glory. But am I still the arbitrator of truth? <laughs> am I still in charge? Is it? my life that I live, or is it his? Because if it's still mine, I'm going to lose this. Even what I think I have, the scripture says, I'm going to lose. But if, but if I will lose this life now, I will gain his life. But that does mean that I'm working in his kingdom, his way. And I'm going to go to him to find out what's true and what's not true. I'm going to go to him to find out how to live. I'm going to go to Jesus and I'm going to check with his words and be empowered by his Holy Spirit to want to do them. And you're here because that's you. I mean, you guys are here. We are all here right now forsaking not the gathering together of the brethren because the Spirit of God is in you, because you have a desire to do that. So I'm not, I don't want to sound patronizing like, yes, yeah, so some of you, no. We're all here because we desire to follow Christ. So let's not stop short now. Let's allow the Scriptures, let's allow the Holy Spirit to go deeply into our hearts right now, and, and let's go, okay, first of all, Lord, where am I in this parable? Lord, is my life so about the pleasures and cares and riches of this world that I actually don't have time to bear fruit for your kingdom? Ouch. Because, guys, some of us, that is true of us. Lord, am I too tired because I just watched 12 hours of Netflix yesterday? <laughs> to go meet with someone else to compel them and to stir each other up to good works for the kingdom? Yeah, <laughs> I am. Lord, am I working Saturdays all the time because it's more about wealth building than it is about kingdom building? Lord, are my children in too many sports and we don't have time to actually establish the kingdom because we've, in the name of family, and the God of sports made your kingdom second? Sports are great. They're in the kingdom, but they're not the kingdom. Are you, are you guys with me? 
Lord, does my life demonstrate to my children what extending the kingdom looks like? Or am I teaching them how to pray a prayer, receive salvation, and never go beyond into extending the kingdom in any way? In other words, am I demonstrating what it is to be fruitless? Holy Spirit, teach me how to live like Jesus. Now the beautiful thing is we receive the Holy Spirit who causes us to go, oh, well I want to trade things of lesser value for things of greater value. I want to live a life that's fruitful. So Jesus, you did it. Jesus didn't stop drinking wine. He just didn't get drunk. Jesus didn't stop going to parties. He was just Jesus while he was at the party. Are you with me? But the question is, am I going with Jesus? Or am I, am I killing time? If anybody's feeling con- condemnation right now, that's not from the Lord and that's not from me. But you may be feeling conviction right now. And that leads to repentance, which is a change of mind. And Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is in the struggle. He's right there saying, ask me, ask me. Everything that I've shared this morning is not applicable to you. But some is exactly what you need to hear. Holy Spirit, show me. What is the scripture? What are you saying to me right now? What we're looking to do is to cultivate our heart to bear fruit for the kingdom. We're stirring each other up towards that. We're encouraging each other towards that. We've gathered together to be in the presence of the Father. Can you just feel his presence right now? He's just right here. If if you can't right now, Lord Jesus, I just wanna pray for everyone that's unaware of the presence of the Lord. Lord, just hug those that don't know you're right here with them right now. Just a big hug, Holy Spirit. We're stirring each other up to good works. Now in this moment, I want you to take and I just want you to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what in this scripture applies to me? Where am I in light of your scripture? Is the enemy trying to steal the seed? Is today the day of salvation where I go, no, absolutely not, Lord. I wanna be saved today. Am I in the place where where I've had joy, but every time temptation comes, I run off and I don't, I don't bear any fruit. When, when the world rejects me, I care more about being accepted by those that are still trapped in darkness than I do by being accepted by Jesus. Now, he loves you, but that doesn't mean he validates your behavior that's outside of the kingdom. Are you with me? Lord, are there cares of this world? Are there... Are there things that I'm doing where I care more about those things than being fruitful? And the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about that. So we're just gonna take a moment here and I want you to go vertical. Just just go vertical. Ask the Lord, Lord, where am I? 
And then what we're going to do is I want you to turn. You can find somebody you really know and trust, or you can turn to your neighbor if they happen to be that person. And I want you to say, this is actually what the Lord is bringing to my mind right now. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? Because I want to respond to that. And then as we, as we finish this moment, this meditation, then we're going to open it up for those that today you might realize, hey, I actually need to go to step one. I've never actually surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. Like I was baptized at some point or I prayed a prayer at some point and that counts. The Lord loves that. But today, I want to go die and be born again where he's the Lord instead of me. I want to give up lordship of my life. I want to I receive real life. I'm willing to abandon everything to get it. That might be you. And if that's the case, Jason's back at the baptismal. And uh, as we transition, you can do that. So is that, is that, is everybody clear? You're gonna ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what are you saying to me? And then you're gonna pray with your neighbor. We're gonna take a few minutes and then I'll, I'll move us to the next, the next part. So um, why don't we have a little music, Jeff? Holy Spirit, search our hearts right now. Lord, we turn our attention to you. As we meditate on the words of Jesus Christ, we're asking, Lord, where am I in this parable?